Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Campbell. I'm a doula in Washoe County, Nevada, a Medicaid provider, a lactation educator, childbirth educator, and mom of 18. You can find me and connect on doulainreno.com. Remember, give a shout out to those who are brave enough to share their stories with us on how they have become parents. Let's dive in. Welcome to Becoming Parents. I'm your host, Jennifer Campbell. Today, I'm with Paul Zolman. Paul, how are you today? I'm I'm great, Jennifer. Thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. I'm really excited. I obviously have cyber-stalked you. Um, you're in St. George, Utah, and I just didn't even consider the fact that we were an hour different in time this morning. So we're always learning new things. No worries. Um, no worries at all. It all, all worked out. Here we are. It did. Uh Tell me about your journey to becoming a parent. My journey to becoming a parent, I, I actually became a, a parent at age 24. So I just barely, uh, we've been married for uh, nine months and 10 days, actually. So it was just, uh, it was a honeymoon baby, more or less. Yes. And um, and so he, he was the first one and, and it was just, it was great. My wife did so, so well. Uh, we had a false alarm. We thought it'd be born like Christmas time or that sort of thing, but it was just shortly after, after the first of the year. So we thought maybe there'd be a chance we'd get all the presents, everything, have a, a January 1st baby. It didn't happen. Not with that, not with that baby, but um, he came and, and my wife did so well. I think it was only maybe four hours of labor and she did so well that on the second child, uh, we decided to have the baby at home. And yep. it, so, so it was a certified nurse mid, midwife that we had, similar to what you do, Jen, that a doula, uh, a coach, so to speak. I remember having a Coleman cooler, red Coleman cooler, and actually giving that baby its first first bath after it was born right at our house. And we had these warm blankets that were warmed up uh, in in the oven, and, and we just it did the whole thing. It was fun, actually, really very fun. I, uh, I, my first daughter was supposed to be a birth center, you know, with a nurse midwife and she actually midwives her like, I'm not a super intuitive person. And sometimes I think that can get a little woo woo, um, for me, but her intuition, she looked at me at 37 weeks and she said this hospital or this hospital. And I had a hospital birth that went remarkably well. And I had a really great hospital experience, but my next three were at home with midwives. And so I totally understand what you're talking about. You're like, oh, I'm good at this. So <laughs> well, and that's she, and, awesome. And she was really good at, at having children. We had eight. And and so so the, the third child was born at, with a certified nurse midwife in the hospital. And okay. then the fourth, fourth child, we actually did, uh, made it to the hospital with eight minutes to spare. The midwife didn't make it in time. So which, it was eight minutes to spare. We had season tickets to a college football game anyway. So that child was born perfectly. We could just hold the child and watch this football game. It was awesome. It was per perfect timing. That's great. So eight kids, that's just a couple. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty big family. But you guys, you continue to have kids. The journey was pretty good. How did you feel as a dad, as a parent? How close together were the kids? Probably two to yeah. three years um, spacing. No, no duplicates, no triplicates, um, just, just single births. I mean, yeah, I was pregnant seven times. So, um, 
Yeah, that's awesome. So natural child spacing, you guys just kind of continued on with your family, continued to have mm -hmm. kids. Did, was there like an end in sight? Did you have a number? Did you always want a big family? What was the chaos of having that like? It's a very interesting question, Jen, and, and great question. So after number four, she was she was so tired of being pregnant, um, having been pregnant, you know, four times nine, 36 months of, of her life and and didn't want any more kids, but actually went out to buy some roses for her after that child was born, came back and really had a, a premonition there. There are two more sons that need to be born. Well, of course, the next two were daughters. So we had to keep <laughs> keep keep going until we got the get, got the the two more sons, and so five girl five five boys three girls. Wow, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't have a number in mind, but of course, I was adding foster care into the mix. Um, I think if I had thought of the number ahead of time, I would have never even considered having or taking some of the kids. So I'm glad that I didn't have that because when you have a big family, you know, I mean, you you're dealing with it generally one at a time. So it's not like all of a sudden mm -hmm. there's 10 or 12 or eight or right. six, you know, I mean, that seems like a lot, but when you're adding one at a time, you sort of like, it's like boiling a frog. Mm -hmm. So you got to start them in cold water. That's, that was having kids, but you really enjoyed, you guys enjoyed yourselves and you enjoyed having the kids and parenthood was a happy thing. So it doesn't seem like there was any stress or friction around that. There, we, parenthood was, was was good. There were stressful times, obviously, and I I found a little bit of the, my childhood, the dysfunction of my childhood, come out a little bit at, the, at those times. I would raise my voice, or I would spank, or do something something that I vowed. When you're 17 years old and you know everything in the world, you make these vows to yourself that you're not going to be like your parents. And all 17 year olds do that. They just don't want to be like their parents, unless it's obviously a very loving parent, then you absolutely want to emulate what they were. Um, when my wife and I were dating, we actually discussed um, having maybe about six children. And then uh, we're just overachievers, Jen. That's all it is. Just overachievers. <laughs> I mean, if you have to overachieve at something, then way to go why on not? that why one. Not? Yeah, why yeah. not? Yeah. And, and that's interesting. You said, like, I had really hard pregnancies. I was really sick the first half. But then once I started to feel better around that 20-ish week, I love being pregnant and I, delivery is hard. Don't get me wrong. Like I am not minimizing how difficult it is or how much I loved the support that I had or any of that, but I loved that part. Like that wasn't, I would have kept going probably. So I feel and that. My favorite thing about pregnancy was my wife, I saw my wife eating all these treats and eating five times a day. And I had this little FOMO. And I started eating and started eating. She had the baby. <laughs> she had the babies. I still haven't had mine. So I've still still got the, I look pregnant. And, uh, you know, that's an interesting double standard in American society that we do not need to go down that tangent. But I, when dad bods came out, I was like, don't even get me started. Don't like, don't even get me started as a woman who's been pregnant several times and has really wanted to stay active and in shape. Like, please don't dad bod. Please don't. No, not fair. Doesn't count. It's a food baby. <laughs> so yeah. I know that you had a shift in that marriage from the information in your show notes. Can you take me through that and subsequently like move us forward in that? Sure. 
so Jen, that's a great question. That and what what happened really was I I grew up in an angry family. Really, they they had all the put downs that if you put somebody down, it elevates you. That was the mentality. Yeah. In that in that culture, there's no boundaries. So they really to learn boundaries was something new. The vocabulary is angry. The all the words are angry. The the humor is angry. It's all sarcastic or it's just mean humor. And it was just all that that you grow up in that type of atmosphere. You want to break out. And actually, I did. I left home at age seventeen. Went to live with my brother. He was very kind to. He had two children, small children at the time. And I just love playing with the younger children. I'm number 10 of 11 children. Okay. So the generations are coming, you know, we're sizing down a little bit. My grandfather had 19 children. My father only had 11. I only had eight. My children only have three. I don't get this, Jennifer. Why can't I have more grandchildren? You have children I, to have grandchildren, right? I mean, so, I never thought that. Like, I never personally had a number of kids and it wasn't driven um like i'm not sure if you're lds mm -hmm. but um it was never driven by religion it was just really what i wanted to do you know was i didn't think big family i just really wanted to do foster care i had a heart for foster care and wasn't sure if i'd have kids so those were actually the surprises for me but i have 14 grandkids now and oh my gosh i love them i didn't think i was having kids for grandkids until i had the grandkids and then i was like right. oh no here you can have them back this is fun it is, <laughs> I, it is, it is i really very, like this so it is, it is very fun so in from that angry atmosphere i, I really had a lot of residual anger um left over from that childhood and, and it lasted probably until about age 35 when I stopped blaming my father for all awkward situations. I found out that he was starting, he was annoyed, 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 and then they didn't have a flash of anger. You never knew when that flash of anger would happen. And so it was with me. My brother had the same issue that they stacked those annoyances until it's the, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Maybe a very simple thing, but it's the straw that breaks that camel's back. And and when that flash of anger ha happened, it could be in public, it could be private, and it really became one of those things that was probably contributory to the demise of my first marriage. So after 23 and a half years, we we divorced, and and uh, I actually had primary custody of the remaining five children that were at the at home. So I'm a single dad in that way, and on the weekends that my ex-wife had the children, I would I concocted a midlife crisis type activity that I would find someone online and then okay. they they don't live in my city. I don't live in their city. We pick a city to meet in. We call it destination dating. And it was a great time. I, I did it for for probably about a year and a half. Um, I went to Daytona Beach, you know, Jacksonville, Florida, Atlanta, Columbia, wow. South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, New York City, Salt Lake City, Kansas City, Nashville, Phoenix, uh, Las Vegas, Cabo San Lucas, a lot more places that I went, spent spent a lot of money over a year and a half just going on the destination date. And it was really fun, but I didn't find anything. And so I thought I had some a line on someone and had moved to Phoenix and it did, just didn't work out. At, at that time, it was about three and a half years into the after the divorce. Now my ex-wife wants primary custody of the remaining three children that are in the house. And she has an idea. She's moving back in with her parents that live in California. So 
she actually picks the children up and and uh, takes them back to California. I thought it was a really good idea because I didn't have, as number 10 of 11, I didn't have that opportunity to get to know my grandparents. And I wanted that opportunity for my children. So I relinquished primary custody back to her for those remaining three children. I think it was a really good idea. Like I said, they got to know their grandparents like I never did. And I, I wanted them to have that opportunity. But here I am all alone. Now my old older sister calls and says she has a neighbor that she wanted to introduce to me. I, I was done with destination dating. My sister lives seven hours away. Didn't want to do the travel or do the destination dating. She's an older sister. And as number 10 of 11, what, the way it was, Jen, is that I was the human remote control when there weren't remote controls. My legs were shorter. My older siblings would say, go change the channel on the TV for me. And I'd walk up to the TV and turn turn the knob. And that was my job. Uh, so you got to do what older brothers and older sisters tell you when you're number 10 of 11. I said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. I, I, I've already done the destination day. And she, and she says, oh, come on. I said, okay. And then I said, I'll email her. What kind of relationship can you develop with an email? I didn't think it would be, be much, much at all. But what happened was that she was a really good writer. So after about four or five um, exchanges of, of emails, Jen uh, this I I got brave. I asked this lady, "Well, how many times have you been married?" And just trying to get to that sub subject that's kind of touchy. And she writes back and she says, "Counting the five that are buried in the backyard." And I I roared with laughter. I thought this lady's got a sense of humor. She's got some personality. This is somebody worth pursuing. So so I we started corresponding a little bit more intense. And then I decided I'm going to move up there. We became serious, and now it's time to go for big brother approval, 300 miles north. And so I go in, first thing my sister-in-law does is pull pull this woman aside and say, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up was anger. At first, I denied. I said, uh-uh, then it made me mad. <laughs> I thought, huh, I'm busted. And, and you know, I realized at that point, Jen, that there's an opportunity here to change that perception of the Zolman family right here and now. And so I started reading the color code and I started reading the five love languages. And I really liked the principles of the five love language. Dr. Gary Chapman was a pastor and, and he said that these five love languages actually reconcile to the life of Jesus Christ. Like you, Jen, I did my cyber check. I did, did my research and actually found out they absolutely do reconcile to life of Jesus Christ. So but it didn't wasn't working for me. Uh, Dr. Chapman said, like, well, if Jen, if I guess, Jen, what your love language is okay. and, and cater to you, then then that's we're going to be buddies. I'm a bad guesser and it wasn't working for me. Right. So if that didn't work, then Dr. Chapman says, well, if you take this survey, then you can find out what your love language is. What do I do with that? Hello, Jen. I'm Gifts. What do you have for me today? Am I supposed to advertise? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm quality time and physical touch. I'm even split, so yeah, I'm oh, going to hug you, you, and it will mean nothing. <laughs> there you go. Here's here's a hug yeah, for you. Yeah. Uh, it's your gift. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's the gift. So that wasn't working for me either. So right. so what, what I decided, I, I remembered that even as dysfunctional as our family was, that games brought our family together uh, when I was younger. Even as uh, there was still smack talk, there was still the put downs, there was still all that aggressive com com competition going on. But 
but just broader family together. So I thought maybe if I make this a game, be easier to remember the five love languages. Because what happened is I, I read through the book four or five times. I didn't get it. I still didn't get it. And and I, I if I was called upon or even offered a million dollars to recite what the, are the five love languages, I probably might get two or three. I probably even couldn't just say what are the five love languages after having gone through the book like that. I don't think I'm particularly um, lacking in intelligence. I just did not get it from the background that it came from. Yeah. So I contacted Dr. Chapman and asked him, are you licensing those little pictures, those little icons that you have for each one of those love languages? And his attorney wrote back and said, no, I'm not doing that. So in my town here, I knew a copyright attorney and I thought, I'm going to go visit with him just to, just to see if this, my idea has any merit, if there's anything I could do about it. And he told me this. He said, theory, like the love language theory, is not copyrightable. Application is. They weren't doing it as a game. So I thought, well, I'll make it a game. So that's what I did. I created uh, my own little artwork and put it on a cube or a dice. So there I've got a hand holding an hourglass representing time, the, mm -hmm. the love language of time. There's a hand holding a platter representing service. service. Two hands together forming a heart with a little conversation flyout. So the words of the heart, those would be the words. Two hands touching one another, that would be touch. Physical touch, yeah. And then the last one, a hand holding a gift, that would be gifts. Five love languages, six sides on the cube or dice. The last one is a hand holding a question mark. That one surprised me. Okay. So there's just two instructions. You roll the cube every day, whatever it lands on, that's the love language you practice giving away all day that day, all day to everybody, everybody, not just their significant others. So it's quite different from the practice that Gary Chapman had. What I found about doing this is that this was a perfect replacement behavior of what I had before. What I had before was I was saying, what's wrong with that person? Trying to see if I could manage their life for them from my point of view, that I knew better better than them. And and I realized that I could actually, there's absolutely a line there. That's none of my business. Whatever their choices are, that's their life. That's how they're doing it. I can ask if they would want some advice. And if they say, no, we're done. Or uh, you can ask for permission. Or if they ask you for advice, you could tell them give them some advice but there's that line there and i i was overstepping that line all the time just because of the no boundary issue that i grew up with once i realized that really is a boundary there i said well what am i in charge of i, I and i realized i can't bid love to come to me because that's the choice of another person if they want to send love my way but what i do have control over is sending it out I, and i can send it out and then i can respond when it comes my way those are the only two things I have control over as it pertains to love. And when I realized that, I, I said, well, I just need to send it out. I didn't, did not have a significant other at that time. Mm -hmm. So so I thought, well, who am I supposed to love, Dr. Chapman? And I said, I thought, well, I'll just have to love everybody. I said, I'll have to love everybody. <laughs> it's just, it was just almost a chore. But when I when I realized it, it was a perfect replacement behavior. I needed that consistency of love, sending it out all day long to everybody. Most people that, that have a significant other are not with that significant other 24 seven. 
-hmm. nor would they want to be. Most people won't want to be would be with that that significant other all that time. So that's more of a part-time job. I wasn't looking for that. I I absolutely needed a replacement behavior. I didn't want to be angry. And I realized also that looking for what's wrong about a person is looking at maybe 10 or 20% of their personality. Maybe right. everybody's got weaknesses, but most people are really intrinsically good, mostly good, 80 to 90% good. I'm just estimating some are less, but still most people are mostly good. I was focusing on that minority of that person, what the faults are of that person. How's that going for me? Well, they're focusing on my faults. That's what's happening. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't want that. Why do I need that? Why am I doing it? And I realized, oh, if I focus on what's right about that person, then maybe maybe they'll focus on what's right about me. And I wasn't doing this for reciprocity at all. I was giving away love, realizing that I've given it away without any regard of ever having it come back, just sending it out. But trusting the laws of the universe that are already in place before you and I were ever born, the law of the harvest, karma, law of attraction, law of reciprocity, law of, law of the polarity, any of those laws actually would bring love back to me by sending it out without any regard of of looking for it coming back, it will come back. Just don't worry about it. Just have the faith that it will. So by doing that and doing it over a 30-day period, Jen, I was able to learn all five love languages mm -hmm. to give it away. Learned them backwards and forwards. The best part about that, it actually improved my communication skills so that I could see it. I had that peripheral vision now that I could see it when it came my way. My way. Most people only see what they like. And they'll, they'll many times give away. And I, I agree with Dr. Chapman here. Most people will give away what they like in hopes that it'll come back. That's a transaction. And it's this is not a, the reality show of let's make a deal with love. It's not. It's absolutely not. Give it away without any regard of it coming back, and it will come back. Whatever happened with the woman that you met, because she was really pivotal in this basically business, uh, the game, you have a book, I bought your book this morning. Um, so it's become more, you know, your website, all your show notes are included. Um, all of your connections are included in the show notes. So this really took on, it, it made a huge difference to you, but then it, it became something more than that. Also, whatever happened to that woman? And then what happened in future relationships? So I still had the anger, and as my sister-in-law indicated, when we we decided to go ahead and get married, I still had that anger. had not had not made that that uh, decision to uh, to make the the cube or 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 pursue that avenue at that point in time, and that that lasted probably about four years is all it, all it lasted, and then it just just kind of fell apart because I still had those those angry thoughts, those angry actions. I didn't even know that I had it. And it really, it really was, you, you don't know what you don't know. And so right. I, I didn't know that I was being angry. I thought I was being normal, but you know, who decides what normal is? I was not normal apparently. So, so I, I had to overcome that anger. And so after that, the demise of that marriage, mm -hmm. then I, I, I realized that's when I started looking more, uh, strongly toward the five love languages and i created a prototype of the cube and, I just, wow. and it's it's two and a half inches by two and a half inches 
And at first the, the edges were really sharp. And I realized that this doesn't roll very well. In fact, if I put what I wanted on top and rolled it, the thing would come up on top. It was, became like a weighted dice. I could roll. If I wanted physical touch that day, I could do physical touch that day. If I wanted gifts that day, I could do do gifts. And what so whatever, it really wasn't very practical. So I had to, uh, to kind of uh, sand down the corners and make it so that it have more beveled edges so that it actually would roll. And it's really kind of uh, uh, kind of an over, over, uh, uh, overview of what actually needed to happen to me. Mm -hmm. I needed those rough edges sanded down for myself. And as I'm rolling the die, this this was the die that actually got me in the habit. It took two years actually to do the, all the artwork for the, the cube that I have now. And so that's the die I had rolling that every single day and trying to perfect that, trying to make it so that it would be really not so clunky and really something that would help me and if it helped me, then maybe it might help someone else. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Holy cow. That's an amazing journey um, and story as far as, you know, in my mind, it happened faster or more easily, or it just, it came to you and you did it. And even if that's true, there's still years that it can take for that mm -hmm. to all happen. Yeah. We don't think about everything, everything that's going on behind the scenes in someone's journey, but what a great thing that you were looking to really make a difference in yourself and then realize how much of a difference that it could make in others. Um, moving forward. So this, that relationship fell apart and you created this. I know you're remarried. So at mm -hmm. what point did you feel the shift in yourself? You, you mentioned 30 days. Like if you're really doing it for 30 days, you really get to know all the love languages pretty mm -hmm. intimately. So take me through that journey a little bit and what relationships are like now and your kids too. So that great question, Jen, that, that 30 day period actually was the paradigm shift. Okay. So I, I've actually continued to roll the die every single day. I still do it every single day. I still want that theme of love every single day in my life for the two seconds that it takes. It's, it's like, it's like an investment. If you put a very little into an investment and get a whole lot back, you're going to do that investment every single day. You give right. somebody a penny and you get a dollar back. That's what, and you're going to do that every day. And, and you'd want to do that every single day. Two seconds to roll a, roll the die it actually improves my day substantially every single day. So I wanted to keep doing that, keep doing that um, uh, as, as a habit. And so the 30 days actually was the paradigm shift instead of watching for what's wrong with people, I actually was so busy watching for what's right with people that I forgot to be annoyed. I stopped stacking annoyances and I started stacking kindness on top of kindness, on top of kindness, on top of kindness. What that did for me it actually gets you to higher laws of love, laws of love like compassion or forgiveness or intimacy or mercy or empathy or sympathy. It gets you those higher laws of love that you can't get there any other way. Can you imagine somebody insulting, 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 insulting to try to get forgiveness? It's not going to happen. Right. It has to be kindness on top of kindness. So the stacking effect actually was going the wrong direction. It was going toward anger. Now it's going toward love, you know, higher laws of love and the kindness, the deeper laws of love. And so to me, the, the love languages are really basic. They are a basic basis 
that everybody should have that foundation for their love, whoever they are, wherever they are in their life, so that they can get to those higher laws of love. And the impact on relationships mm -hmm. after that is going to obviously be so much more improved because they'll see what you're doing. What my wife does, she doesn't roll the, the cube or the dice. She doesn't roll it at all, but she watches to see what I'm doing. It's funny that I've, I've shared this a little bit at church as well. I had a guy um, come up to me after, after the meeting this last Sunday, and he said, I know what you rolled today. <laughs> uh. I, had, I, I, had, I had my arm around my wife at church, and, and he said, I know what you rolled today. And I just put my arms out like this and said, come on, bring it in. And, yeah. and I, I just gave Physical him a hug. Uh, I just gave him a hug. <laughs> and he just started laughing. He's a, he's a vice principal at a middle school. And so he, he, I was trying to get this into his school system. I have uh, some test schools that I'm working with right now where they roll it at the, the class, rolls it at the beginning of the day. And then at the end of the day, they have to report how they did in that journal format. So it makes them responsible for their actions all day long. It's meant to tamp down behavior, tamp down any bullying, eliminate the bully, and just eliminate a lot of the violence in the school. The second thing that it does for the classroom is that it really, really helps that um, individual uh, take responsibility, but it gives them a journal of that particular class. It's only in primary school right now, so K through six is where the test is. But I would have loved to have a journal from first grade. I remember my first grade teacher, and I remember it must have been a very loving experience. But I don't remember second, third, fourth, or fifth grade. I do remember sixth grade. But there's something mm. about a way a person teaches that can be loving. And I would have loved to have a journal all about that. So that's kind of how we're testing it. And it absolutely improves your relationships all across the board, whether it's just uh, acquaintances or or friends or family or or siblings or children. I mean, it's going to improve your relationships all across the board. Your kids are now, I'm guessing, all adults. Yes. And how did you... You left off with uh, giving your wife primary custody. And, you know, that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to mm -hmm. do what you think is in the best interest of the kids when it hurts you or it's hard for you. Um, so I, I don't want to over, you know, I want to make sure that I let you know like, how important that is. Um, and kind of as a message for people struggling with that, it's easy to be angry at an ex-spouse and in that, that frame mindset of friction but it's not always easy to say oh actually this would be the best for them even though it's not the best for me um they moved to california what is the relationship like i know you have grandkids now did this help and heal relationships from the past especially with the kids i'm i don't know that you needed to do that but i'm just kind of asking this is a very different mindset for you compared to when you were raising them and married that first time yeah, that's it. I think that it, the from fast forward a little bit uh, that it uh, actually has improved the relationship now at the uh, the hand over the baton to the ex-wife for those last three children. There's a lot of a lot of the older children that were upset that I'd done that, and, and the the three younger children also a little bit upset at the beginning. Then they settled down and then they just really did really well. They thrived in that environment. Mm -hmm. But it's just, um, it's hard uh, when when there's one one side that is 
telling uh, telling the children to be who they are and another uh another one of of the parents is saying you know don't don't follow anything that the other person says and yeah and it's just when there's that poison that's going out there it is very difficult to keep a relationship and so i'm kind of uh, just working with that right now trying to deflect a lot of that trying to you know reassure them that absolutely i still absolutely love them i still yeah. want them want them in my life and i probably more now than than ever you know i've um, i would want them and want the grandchildren also in my life and they are yeah. for the most most part they are there are a few that are a few outliers that are just uh, just you know, they're just just they want to be mad they choose to be yeah. mad yeah i have um, a couple of those too and 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 they, and they can be it's it's perfectly their choice and right. i really really believe in the boundaries that i've drawn now i can't overstep that i have to just kind of wait wait in my spot for them it's like the quarterback that's in the pocket you wait in that pocket or you're going to get you're going to get really annihilated if you go yeah. outside that pocket so i have to wait in the pocket until it's their their opportunity and their choice to come back Paul, thank you so much for being on and sharing your story and your journey and um, what you're doing and how how pivotal that change can be in a really short amount of time. Uh, I'm real happy all your links are here so that people can reach out to you or um, do what I did and purchase the book or the game, the dice. So uh, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jen. It's been my pleasure and uh, blessings to you. Much love.